this is quite a lineup for us. Really exciting. What's up, boys? Turin Giants podcast, number 183. We have some special guests for some first-timers and returning veterans. My name is Farhad. I'm the host that loves you most. Like I said, this is Turin Giants podcast, returning after a, after a bit of a break. And uh, I, I can tell you that I, I've missed doing this and I've missed you guys. And thank you. I want to shout out all the all the listeners with your positive messages and and you know that's that's what keeps keeps us keeps us going all the messages of hey man we're we're getting withdrawals here where are you guys at can't wait to hear for the next episode so i really do want to thank you guys for your support and now without further ado i want to introduce you to our guest adam digby welcome back my friend thank you and 183 episodes man that's good going you know i appreciate it And, and that's and that's us taking breaks for like a month, a month and a half sometimes. But so we're we're back on track. We we found people who who have the same schedule as me, and I and I want to thank you guys. And John Cascarano, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me, Farad. I was going to say the same thing. One hundred three episodes. That's impressive. Good job. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's so funny when when I I don't mention to anyone that I have a podcast, and when I do, when it when it comes out, I'm like. To be fair, I started it like eight years ago. This is not a child of the quarantine. This is not a child of boredom. We've been doing this. And as I always say, this is the longest running UVA podcast in the world. And I really, really am proud to say that. I'm not just bragging. Um, but John, uh, you know, Johnny C, I want to call you for some reason. Um, I you, get you, that a you lot. Did, so you, go for it. You had a podcast, didn't you? You're 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 the founding member of the Juventinos, which is the coolest name. I always thought this was like the perfect name for for a Juve crew. Tell us a little bit more Did, about that. So Adam, I think, came up with that name. Um, I like he that. was he was in on it with. Uh, at, well, I I actually joined a few months later. I was I was on the Juventus offsides. I was running that for a while, uh, and then. They got sold to SB Nation, uh, and I jumped mm, over to Juventinos. Sure. Um, but yeah, the podcast that we used to do it ain't over to the old lady sings. That was that was also with Adam. Um, they had been doing that since Aaron John Batista ran the Juventus offside. So I, before I even knew Adam, I remember you know I, at one point around this is around 2010, 2011. I had a pretty long commute to the job that I had at the time. And I remember listening to that podcast. It was the only one out there. Um, so yeah, then I, okay. I, so I you got, hopped over. And you I guys are the you guys are the Mount Rushmore of of Juve content creators, and we want to thank you. Yeah, we we started doing this in 2013. I actually had to double check with my buddy Saeed, who was the one of the first the first co-hosts with, with me. Uh, we ran that uh, fan club together in LA. Actually, shout outs to them. They are planning on. If you're if you're in LA area or within an hour of LA, um, get in touch with them. Uh, Juventus fan club of Southern California. The, the, they're official now. Uh, they're planning a big meeting at Del Piero's restaurant actually for for a Milan game. So uh, nice. please reach out to them. Yeah, it's it's always fun. He he stopped by a couple of times and that was just mm. shocking. I always That's like to amazing. mention that when we started the fan club, I literally had to go and pick up. Some of the guys who had, didn't have cars, just so we can have some bodies in there, and we watch games together. Uh, and then, like eight, ten years later, we're watching game with Del Piero 
<laughs> just sitting there signing autographs, which is awesome. So, John, welcome. Um, you guys know um, the 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 breakdown of the show will be. We like to do a little quiz, and since John is John is new to the crew, so we'll 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 match him up against Adam. The I don't know. Adam is one one and one. I think. I, I, uh, it feels like it feels like about all in six. I don't know. You, you st- I, Adam literally wrote a book on the topic. I don't know if I'm going to be able to match. Oh up no! But well, that's the one. fun part. We, we don't we don't just do UVA questions. We do general knowledge. Uh, that, we we, we right. fall down and say, <laughs> when it's UVA, I'm okay. Anything else? <laughs> uh, I think the only questions he got right was like 1980s post punk. English music or something. It was just like it was like something to do with with British music. Uh, so he killed that one. So we'll do that. We'll talk about the Dybala situation. We will discuss the the uh, Alexandra situation. Talk about transfers. We got a couple of questions from the listeners. We thank you guys for for participating as always. Uh, let's get the business out of the way at Juve Podcast on Twitter at Turin Giants for the merch at Turin Giants on Instagram. Uh, we ran a campaign. Uh, for Marquise's birthday yesterday, well, not we. I I ran a campaign for Marquise's birthday yesterday, just kind of successful. Uh, thank you all for your purchases, and we'll talk about that a little. Um, I'm I'm gonna do a little intro in the beginning uh, when when we sign off. So, anyways, what do you guys say we get to the quiz? Because I got the questions ready, I got the the buzzer sound app ready, and I have Alessandro Belpiero. I don't think John has ever met Alessandro Belpiero. You want to take a look at him? Boom. Nice. Yes. Love All it. right. Who wants? To, I think I think John, since he's the he's the new guest, we should let him go first. What do you say, Adam? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. All right. Let's go. Let's go. John, what does IPA stand for? IPA beer, uh, of course. India Pale Ale. He's on the board, ladies and gentlemen. One zero. Adam, you ready? Yep. Come on, man. This is this is for your pride. This is your old friend. You can't let him just slide with that. All right. This was in the news recently. And there's going to be a bonus question for either of you. By the way, the, the rule is one of you gets it wrong. The other one has a chance to steal the point because, quite honestly, I don't have that many questions. So we're going to reuse them. So this was in the news a few days ago. Adam, if you follow social media and, and YouTube and stuff like that, which video just reached first video to reach 10 billion views on youtube genuinely no idea not a clue well not a we, clue got a, at all. we got a guy with small kids here let's see if john can steal a point which video reached 10 billion views and was the first one to do so i'm gonna guess baby shark yeah <laughs> adam to be honest with you, it's one of those questions where I'd rather you not know that and not know that. So there's I, no I, embarrassment. I, I, to be honest, I take great pride in being totally unaware of that. So well done, I, I don't John. know if I should get I don't know if I should get credit for this one because in <laughs> fairness, I'm my house is responsible for about half of those <laughs> Well, they they should send you a plaque or something. But uh yeah, I thank God my kids were out of that age because I, I just, I genuinely cannot stand that, that piece of music. So two zero John's up, Adam, you next. Uh, all right. You've a question. I promise to sprinkle in a cu- couple of you questions. Come on. This is you as a journalist. You're, you're, this makes your me more nervous, man. This, yeah, I, you're, this is worse than <laughs> this, get me baby shot wrong. It, it's all right. I knew that one. So 
I'm pretty sure you know that one. Tell me the number of official goals Cristiano Ronaldo scored, scored for Juve. Uh, 108. I want to say, I know it's wrong, but... John, can you steal that point and go three? By the way, we're playing uh, till four, so, so uh, Adam has a chance to come back, which he actually did a couple times ago. John, do you, do you remember the number of goals Ronaldo scored? 110. Man, you both fail. 101. So the score remains 2-1. John, it's your, your turn. All right, what should we give you here? What does a Geiger counter measure? Can you tell us what does a Geiger counter measure? Uh, radiation. 3-1. Somebody has seen Chernobyl on HBO, huh? I, I've never seen it. I just remember it from uh, like middle school science. We had one. My um, teacher would, you know, break it out and we'd hear the whatever. It's this. Interesting. It's not really a good story. <laughs> it, it really, it, it really, it was not. So, um, anyways, three one. I think, uh, I think Adam, it's time to step up. I know you've been giving him an easy ones, but uh, let's see. What kind of nut is in the middle of Ferrero Rocher? Candies. Uh, hazelnut. Like a true Turin aficionado, you're into hazelnuts. Very good. Three, two. All right, John, you ready? Ready. All right. Another general knowledge question. What does the AC button on the calculator stand for? I think we stumped him. I think we got him. Listen, All I don't know much. <laughs> Ah, oh, damn it. He pulls it off at the last second. 4-1. A scoreline that is not really gentle to Juve fans. Adam, what's going on, man? I feel like me and John have gone full circle because one of the first podcasts we did was after the Fulham game. So it's 4-1. It's the same thing again. Eh? Uh, I was actually Fulham thinking game. about the Real Madrid game. Is, wasn't that 4-1 also yeah. in Cardiff? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. That was a cool way to introduce you guys to the new listeners. By the way, welcome if you're a returning listener. And thank you so much if you are an old school. By the way, if you um, you guys are listening, let me know when you started listening to the podcast. I want to find like the oldest listener because I remember there, there was people who still listen from day one. And I really want to appreciate them and give them a shout out on Twitter. All right. Let's move on. Can I tell a quick story before we get into the Juve stuff? Sure. It's, it's, it's worth it, I promise. It's a short story. Um, so a few years ago, just, you know, 10 years ago, I met my wife. We're, we're still boyfriend and girlfriend. And she goes on a lot of business trips. So I actually had to double check with her today, which airport this happened. And this was in Houston, but 2010, I want to say 2011. She's walking through the airport, you know, how you're kind of like blindsided and then you're, you're just looking where you're going. A water bottle rolls away and kind of like bumps her into the foot uh, on her foot. And she's trying to return the water bottle to whoever, it, wherever it came from. And you'll never believe who it was. It's literally, give me a you guys are fascinated by athletes and, and obviously we're, we're we hold them to a higher regard. 
who's like, like your dream athlete to meet would be John. My dream athlete to meet. I've met Del Piero. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. We'll need to hear more about that. I'm trying. You said it was the Houston airport. Airport doesn't matter. Just okay. a figure, a figure in sports history that just happened to just bump into my wife and had a conversation and they spent a, a, not just hello, they spent significant amount of time like having coffee together. I, I mean, I can't even, it's gotta be somebody like Kobe Bryant or some, someone like that, uh, someone legendary. It, 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 it was also his birthday. That's why I remember this story. My wife just had a casual conversation with Muhammad Ali and his body. Oh, wow. Just so I heard so amazing. He lived in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey for a while. And I've heard stories about him. He was apparently like one of the most gregarious, uh, nicest people you would ever meet. He, from, from what I heard, he was the sweetest. He, his, his bodyguard picked up the bottle and he thanked his. And, and my wife's dad. He he was really into boxing, and when she told him that story, just he, and and uh, like everyone, oh, yeah. I, I saw your guys' faces, and I like to tell that story because it's just it's amazing. Just it's just once in a lifetime thing. And she's met uh, Mike Tyson, and we have we have a picture with wow. her too. <laughs> That's what you get for living in Los Angeles, I guess. All right, I just want to tell the story, and also happy birthday to Paolo Maldini. There's a there's a line. To Juve and Milan fans, that you you know you you have to show respect to Paolo, Paolo Maldini. I heard it was his birthday today, so I wanted to give him a shout out. All right, boys, let's get to Juve. Um, <clears throat> this was more referee and Serie A adjacent, and I want to hear you guys' opinions on the latest referee mistakes. Is it silly to assume this is conspiracy conspiracy theory Thursday? I want to call it. Is it silly to assume? I want to. I want to point that towards Adam. <sighs> What do you think is going on with the refereeing? And just put on our conspiracy theory hats, our tinfoil hats. Could there be anything that we don't know about that is triggering those those bad decisions? No, I don't think so. Unfortunately, as much as I'd like to join in the the conspiracy theory chat, I think. The problem for quite a while now has been that Serie A referees are just terrible. They're not they're not biased. They're not looking to give anybody an unfair advantage. They're just crap. And mm -hmm. I think we see that week in and week out. And I think if you even if you go looking for a, a conspiracy theory, I think you look at the Milan Spezia and the, the disallowed goal for I, I was just gonna say um, I was just gonna bring up the, the referee for that game, Marco Serra. Yeah, he's crushed by that mistake. You can see it in his face. He, he he clearly doesn't see Messias until after he has his shot and the ball goes in. And he's the guy's absolutely devastated that he's made that mistake. I you kind of feel sorry for him a little bit because I think obviously we 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 watch football every week and we we cheer when things go well and we get annoyed when things go badly. And, and then you watch somebody like Giorgio Chiellini who celebrates a tackle or Chesney celebrates a good save. Referees are kind of the same, you know. When they make good decisions, they're pumped by it. And when they make bad decisions, they're, they're really mm -hmm. good, like a striker missing a chance. And you can see that referee when he's with Rebic, he's just like, ah, he looks like he's missed an open net himself. 
And mm-hmm. are you saying are you saying there's real people and emotions under those uniforms? Well, that's you know, a crazy it's concept. Far, far be it from me to say that referees are people too, but yeah, mm-hmm. referees are people too. John, I, I just want to. I'm first of all, I'm just imagining now, with, based on off, off of what Adam just said, I'm just imagining like Warsato like making a good call and then doing the key as a slide because he's pumped well, about was, it. Um, like. <laughs> Gianluca Rocchi not so long ago high fived Bonucci after he made a good call, right? They, they, was that right he, after a call? Yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, oh, I think so he gave good. a corner instead of a foul and he, he, he went to Bonucci and Bonucci's like, yeah. And, and they were all uh, look at Juve high fiving referees. It's like he gave a corner to the here. other team. It's like nothing weird about this, nothing. Adam. But what happened to the to the golden era of Italian referees, uh, Colina? And, and I listen. This, this, yeah, so I think I have to do a few Google searches. But um, there, there was a referee, the Italian referee that refereed the World Cup. I mean, are you saying yeah, there's just yeah. there's just on top there's two or three great referees, and that and the rest are just falling behind? <sighs> I think I don't think it's so much the individual referees. I think it's just the, the, the pressure and the way that every decision is so heavily scrutinized. I think it just gets to these guys and they just make mm-hmm. mistakes. And I think in you watch other leagues and I, I don't think it's as frequent. And I, I don't think it's particularly bad refereeing or uh disingenuous calls. I just think I, I just think the way that the Italian media is about referees, like giving them scores out of 10 with the Pagella. You don't see that in other leagues as much. And, and the way that everything is just so heavily and closely scrutinised, it, it just, it kills these guys. And I think every couple of years we see the the top referees, because they're forced to retire at 46 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so the top referees who've refereed all the big matches, because we know what it's like in Italy, if there's a big game and somebody makes a mistake, they're going to kill people. So it's always the same referees in the biggest matches. So that the referees underneath haven't been in that situation. And then they're forced to step up because these older referees retire. So every now and then we get a little bit of a lull. And I think that's just where we are at the moment. I think it happened after Colina. I think it happened again with uh, Talia Vento and a couple of the other guys who stepped away. And then we just get these little lulls where the standard at the very top just drops a little bit. And we, we see more mistakes. Well, let's 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 touch. Oh, sorry, Johnny, go I, ahead. So I don't know if it's the quality of the refereeing that has gone down so much as I think uh, I think the atmosphere around the entire sport uh, and the culture has shifted dramatically over the past ten years or so. Because um, I, I mean, first of all, I think haven't there been a few significant rule changes over the past? 12, 24 months with regard to the handball rule, stuff like that. Yeah. So we're dealing with we're dealing with the advent of VAR, which it's you know it's still not really it, it's still apparent that a lot of the referees don't. In the don't words really of a great, great Iranian man, VAR is bullshit. Did uh, Iron Sheik say that? Uh, <laughs> it was one of the greatest but, World Cup moments. Uh, but at any rate, um, I think I think there's there's that component to it. There's we're sort of dealing with a lot of moving parts that are shifting in real time and the referees are having to adjust. But on top of that, I remember um, reading I, I think it might have been the book by John Foote. I can't quite remember, but trying to not plagiarize here. Um, 
he this book was is about 10 years old so we're talking about he, he's he's going on uh italian journalism in sports from the 90s from the early to mid 2000s and the focused on la moviola the slow motion the slow motion replay it's become an obsession it's on all the italian uh, sports shows at the end of the week they go through almost every play um and scrutinize it now shift to 15 20 years later Every match is available in HD. There's 25 more cameras on every match. Super slow-mo. Exactly. A million different angles. And now on top of that, there is VAR. Mm. So they show these super slow-mos in real time as it's being reviewed. So I think that there's just been so much more of a hyper-focus on the referees and their decisions. Like... Look, I don't know when this golden age is. I don't really, I'm not one to really follow the referees, but, you know, let's say, for example, this is in the 60s. Okay, you, you, you can't, it's really not, I mean, Diego Maradona scored a goal with his hands as late as the <laughs> 80s. In and, the World Cup. Right, and the footage and the wasn't good enough to make it that apparent at first. I look at that replay myself, and I can't even see it most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's. Uh, I, I just think that the technology and the the actual capturing of the moments has changed so much. Yeah, we're um, looking at every single wrong decision, aren't we? Whether it's yeah. uh, throwing goes the wrong way or whatever. And exactly. The, the Here, papers and stuff the other, do a. Oh, go, and go. here's the other thing. Here's my one of the my favorite analogies is the seatbelt analogy. You only hear when the referees do a crap job. You never hear when they do a good job. OK, it's yeah. just like the seatbelt. You always hear somebody say, oh, I don't wear my seatbelt because uh, I read something in the news where somebody got into an accident. And the seatbelt ended up hurting them, breaking their collarbone, whatever. You, you don't read about, you know, the 99 of 100 times somebody gets into a fender bender and don't fly out their windshield because of the seatbelt. Yeah. It's, it's so I think I think that's a lot to do with it. Yeah. And I think the other thing I was I was going to go into a vaccine chunk, but I'm not going to. It's like yeah. it's like something bad happens to one person and vaccines are bad. Yeah. Believe yeah. me, I work I work at a hospital. People would put tubes in now. They are unvaccinated. And that's all I'm going to say. You can you mm-hmm. can check the statistics. It's just it's just yep. silly at this point not yeah. to get vaccinated. I don't I don't yep. I don't want to spend any, any more time on it. But I totally uh, agree. But when a patient totally asks his doctor before he gets the tube in is it too late to get a vaccine he fucked up just saying (laughs) yep but anyways yeah you know all i was going to add to what john was saying was the fact that we also over the last two years the the, these referees have refereed a lot of games in empty stadiums too and now all of a sudden they've got fans back and that that's it's difficult for players it's difficult for fans themselves going to matches and it makes it more difficult for the referee because for two years they've refereed in this perfect vacuum haven't they you know there's no there's no noise there's no reaction to any decision and now all of a sudden they're back to having i know the crowds just got cut again but they're back to having 10 15 20 000 people screaming that they're stupid and that that's gotta be hard to do yeah. your job when threatening their lives yeah yeah well there's a there's a there's a couple of questions i wanted to bring up the mistakes in the supercopa and the actual supercopa i want to hear your guys's uh, first of all, the, the breakdown of the referee mistakes, a uh, couple of moments where the players were able to trick the referee. And like, like John said, we, we, you, you look at it in a super slow-mo and it just looks silly that it was called. But at the moment, you can see why, why the ref with an untrained eye, maybe they'll get some kind of um, 
eyewear in the future where where they can replay it in their in front of their eyes or something. But uh, what do you first of all, what do you, what are your thoughts on the Supercopa itself? Are you as upset as some people are that we lost to Inter or I, I call it a glorified friendly. I call it just another cup to to lift above your heads. Um, your thoughts, guys. It's Lega Calcio's version of the Trofeo Berlusconi. It's a vanity mm -hmm. trophy. I really, I mean, like, look, it's nice to win it. It's nice to win a trophy. I don't really care that much. I'd rather focus on finishing top four. It reminds um, me of that, of that, sorry to interrupt again. That's what I do on the podcast. Welcome to the Turn Giants podcast. Uh, it's like that, right. that, that meme with Jeremy Clarkson from, uh, from Top Gear. Uh, Inter won the Supercoppa. So anyways, you know, just it's, it's, a, it's a footnote like that, something to talk about that week. Nobody brings up a Supercoppa until it's next year and you you remember who won it last year. So that's, that's right. what it's like to me. Yeah, I, I don't, I, again, like, you know, you want to win every match. I don't really care all that much um, at the end of the day. I don't. I'm not really concerned one way or another. I watched most of the match just because it was on. But <laughs> like I said, I wasn't really that, you know, a last minute winner in extra time. Like that's not, that's not the type. This isn't the World Cup final in 2010. With, uh, and yes, to score in the winner late in the extra time. Like it's not, this, this isn't something that's going to uh, go down in history and be written about. Gotcha. Adam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's the same. I think it's hard with the Supercopa because it, you want to win it. You, nobody ever wants to lose to, especially to Inter. You know, it, it hurts as a Juve fan when when you have to watch them celebrate. But if it's 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 one of those you don't get any credit for winning the Supercopa. You know, especially if you've won the league. I mean, how many times did Juve win the Supercopa when they won the league nine years in a row? Nobody cares. You won the league, who cares? But if you lose, then, it, oh, you lost to Inter and complain and all of that. And it's just, it's just, as you said, it's 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 a trophy. It's nice to win. But the, at the end of the day, the, the Coppa Italia winner should lose to the league winner, right? They're the better team. That's why they won the league. But Alexander is still a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, it goes without saying. It's... it's Oh, what a what trash it's, defending it, it, that was, man. It is a tragic defend, defending and it's a terrible mistake. And I think it's, it, it, it continues the theme of, of Juve's defence being weakened and because of it, players make mistakes that they wouldn't make. Alexandro is, yes, he's not Alexandro from 2017 or 2016, but he's... he's He's a proven quality defender. That's a stupid mistake. But when the, the pressure is on and you're trying to cover for other players who are not really good enough to be playing for Juve, you make more mistakes. And that and that and that's what happens. And that's what's happened all season long because injuries and COVID mean that we're playing the, the dregs of the Juve squad who are not good enough to be at the club anymore. And that it just, it continues all the time. And this is what you get when you get a lengthy list of injuries and a game that doesn't really matter when you've got a big game like Milan on Sunday. That you're not going to risk Giorgio Chiellini playing 90 minutes against Inter in, a, in what really is a friendly that doesn't ultimately matter. Allegri knows it doesn't matter. He doesn't care. Why would he risk uh, Chiellini? If, if that was uh, Real Madrid in Champions League, Giorgio Chiellini plays 90 minutes in that game because he's, we know he's fit, he's training. But because he played the game before and because we wanted him to be available in the next game, 
he got rested. So you end up playing players who are not good enough and then you lose. It doesn't matter. So, the how is just the, the end result, isn't it? So going from the bottom of the list, to the, from the worst player on UA to the best player, um, John, let's let's talk about Deshilio and how he's he's smiling because he's Deshilio fan number one. Um, it's so funny. I released released with those shirts with a with a Roma tweet where you know Deshilio scores in seventy something minute. Uh, he was the first person to say yes, yes, yeah. Release these. Uh, it's so funny. Yeah, you. I know you ordered it and and. But the the crap that I got from people is like it's it's a it's just a joke, guys. I know we didn't win Champions League, and I'm no I know we're not bragging. It's the fact that Deshilio scored the winning goal um, made me just kind of release the shirt, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a vintage in a couple of years, man. You you hold on to that thing. It it is a joke, and I mean, if anybody has followed me on Twitter over the past ten years, they'll know that like I'm. 100% one to beat a dead horse and beat a joke into the ground until it's it's it, it's just it should never be said again but I'll keep saying it uh I John, John it. sorry John may sound like a like a well put together young man who is who is who who is a is a great citizen and a and a well read man but he's a don't get it twisted he's a certified fucking troll on Twitter and I love it <laughs> Nobody, no, I do it so well, I guess, that nobody realizes it. What's your What's your handle, by the way? Sorry, I, I know Adam is at ADZ77, but if you're a UVA fan on Twitter, you most likely follow that man with a blue check. What about you, man? What's your Pas- Pasca Calcio, one word, C-A-S-C-A-C-A-L. It'll be you on got Twitter, it. so if you, yeah. if you, yeah, you just just click on his name when I'm promoting this podcast 400 times. Um, at one point, at one point over the summer, me and a bunch of people, uh, a few other people, w- w- got into a back and forth with some English fans, arguing over where pizza was invented because we kept insisting it was invented in Brooklyn, and they kept. <laughs> <laughs> they kept correcting like, us. It's it's just wrong enough to kind of defend it, but but it, it kind of riled up a few few thousand people on Twitter. That's hilarious. I love it. Um, so, uh, all right, boys. Yeah, I actually bought a Distillio jersey one time just to perpetuate the troll. Like that's how far I'll go. Uh, you know what, man? So far, you you're the one who's you 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 you. I don't know how to explain it, but basically, you are. Standing behind your man, and he's he's paying paying he's paying you off, man. It's look, it's he's still he's a good he's he's a good player. He's 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 been solid. He fills in when needed. He doesn't complain. He's not like it, now. I will admit, ten years ago, I thought he was gonna end up being a lot better. Uh, he was, I think, he was a starter on that 2014 World Cup team, which really isn't saying much considered how it ended, but. You know, he was showing around that time. He was showing a lot of promise, and I really thought he could have been uh, a top-level fullback and valuable because he could play on either side and fill in at center back if need be, especially in the back three. Um, he didn't end up being quite as good, but he's not horrible. I don't. He's he's good to have on a team. I don't know, man. A couple of years ago, old jokes aside, every time Deshilio touched the ball, and I I think I like just documented it on Twitter. Uh, it, it was terrible. It was one bad cross after another. It was, 
either losing the ball in zone half, right, right in front of our box, or just misplacing the pass, or or he he's basically what Bernadeschi do, does nowadays, where it just completely runs out of the runs out of real estate. And uh, but you know what, he's been vindicated, and I'm happy. I I I don't like talking trash about our own players, but some some like the the Alexandro is the guy who who deserves it nowadays. But Vasilio, um, I'm kind of happy for the guy. Oh. Old trolling aside, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll have to make few few more of those jerseys where he scores yeah. a winning goal somewhere in the Champions League next time, maybe. Uh, but his crosses have been dimes lately to to McKinney and a couple of assists that yeah. he's got throughout the year. It was fantastic. Do you he's guys want to? Streaky. Sorry, let's. Oh, sorry, I should have. Go ahead. Yeah. No, he's uh, I was, was going to jump sure. to the next uh, next yeah, next topic, but go ahead, finish it. Go, finish it, please. I was, was going to say he's he's streaky for sure. His big problem has been consistency, a lot like Bernardeschi. Now, since you brought up the uh, the analogy, I remember when Sadi was there a couple years ago uh, in preseason, he was very very complimentary of Deschilio. There's there's talent there. It's just uh, it's probably just a matter of mentality, really. Um, and you know, that's what separates the world-class players from the players that never quite make it, I guess. But look, <laughs> he's just called Vasilius a world-class player. No, no. I said, that's what separates the mentality, which probably is an issue for him is you typically what celebrates the celebrates, separates the world-class from the almost. So that's all. Gotcha. Well, I wanted to bring up, um, an interesting uh, threat before we get into Dybala negotiations and all that stuff. Um, everyone knows Tadic on Twitter. He's one of the OGs of Twitter. Is um, uh, at ADP1113. He's been kind of back on Twitter recently, and uh, he just posted an interesting thread that I kind of wanted to read to you guys. Um, this is about Max Allegri's and his current deputy, Marco Landucci. Kind of their journey together. I think we should always know our history or where our managers and players came from. So basically, uh, shout outs to Tyreek, first of all. Uh, Max Allegra and his current deputy, Marco Landucci, first met in 2005 at a Fiorentina Primavera match. Back then, Allegri was coach of Grosseto in Serie C, and Landucci was the goalkeeper coach of the Fiorentina Primavera. They exchanged ideas, and Max promised that they'll one, where, one day work together. At Cagliari is where Max Allegri first put together his stalwart uh, staff of Marco Landucci, assistant, Simone Folletti, fitness coach, and Emilio Doveri, tactical coach. And when Allegri moved from Cagliari to Milan in 2010, he took Landucci plus Folletti and Doveri with him, but as a goalkeeper coach, since Milan insisted that Mario, Mauro Tassotti remain as the assistant coach to Allegri. So just a little journey of what they've been through together, and uh, he filled in successfully in the game against Roma where Allegri was suspended. So it's always, it's always nice to have a coach that's also supported by, uh, by someone people know and trust. Um, who was, uh, who was Conte's assistant that, that filled in Ferrara, right? Well, he, he filled in for him. Carrera. Think, even in the, Carrera. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. He actually filled in for him in the Champions League game once, I think against Chelsea. He did it pretty well. Yeah. So Juve has. So I was a, actually has a, thinking, yeah. Uh, yeah Juve had a great, great history of uh, assistant coaches, and I, Adam just came back. I was just saying how it's important for a coach to have someone 
even the fans know their name. And then uh, what do you what what are your thoughts so far on Landucci? Landucci is really good. You know, he's a, he's a a good coach, a proven uh, tactical uh, sounding board for Allegri. They they go back and forth on what they should do and the changes they should make. If you watch, if you watch the game from the stadium and you you look before they make any subs. Landucci always goes to the touchline where Allegri is stood. They have a little chat and then Landucci goes and gets whoever the sub is going to be and gets him ready to come on. And it's always a collaborative effort between those two. Just like it was last year with uh, Pilo and Roberto Baronio, you could see that in the All or Nothing documentary and the same with Sarri and um, and his number two and and the same going backwards right to, to Conte and um, Conte had Carrera, didn't he? And, uh What's he called? Uh, and uh, Angelo Alessio, the, yes. the two assistants of Conte. So it's 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 always important, and it's always good for the the coach to have someone else he can talk to and someone who listens to him and and reins him in a little bit and say, no, what about this? Gives him a, a different point of view. And Allegri said in interviews in the past, he's told me, he's told other people that that sometimes he'll have this great idea in the middle of the night and he'll go to work the next day and tell Landucci and Landucci will go, no, that's really not going to work. And 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 talk him down off a ledge. So he, he, he does an important job in, in the staff for Allegri. Interesting. Yeah, I actually, you, you brought up Alessio and I, rode on a train with him to Florence, like a few seats away from him. Just just so random. I was like, whoa, I met us I met a person I know in Turin. What are the chances of that? Good guy. So he's thanks. he's got um he's got as many Champions League wins in his career as a coach as Antonio Conte. Nice, nicely done. Hey man, I have a buddy who's a Tottenham hat fan and he's just in love with Conte. I'm like, you, you wait, you, you man, wait. you just wait a couple of seasons until until something goes wrong that's Totally Conte's fault and, you know, things will fall apart. I actually, bringing up Conte, I mentioned it to him, to my, to my buddy Andy, that without Conte, Tottenham is not scoring two goals in injury time. That's, that's Conte DNA right there. It's already working. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That, that was but, an amazing win. But wait until a transfer window when he only gets six out of the seven players he wants. <laughs> yeah. How dare you suggest that? Or you sell his seventh choice right back. Man. Right, right. All right. Well, here on the Turin Giants podcast, we uh we give a bell to people who deserve it. So uh old jokes aside, Antonio Conte. It, it, it was fun. Those three seasons with you were fun. Um let's move to uh Dybala's situation. I want to hear all your thoughts. I promise I won't interrupt. Uh what's going on with this back and forth? And uh do you think as I do? That we should get rid of Dybala. I know I'm, I should whisper that, but uh, if I were Dybala, I would absolutely um, think of going to EPL, possibly to Conte, possibly to Tottenham. Um, but I, I'll be happy if he stays. Just a little more consistency. Before we get into that, I will. I'll give you guys a couple minutes to think about what you want to say. Uh, this is a long list, so I don't know how I'm going to read it. Um, this is all the games that Dybala missed throughout his his career at Juve. Uh, 15-16, scored 23 goals, missed three games. 16-17, scored 19 goals, missed eight games. Look at, look at the progression slash regression here. 17-18, 26 goals. I think that was his most successful. 17-18, he scored 26 goals, missed six games. 
18, 19, 10 goals, missed five games. Uh, 19, 20, 17 goals, missed two games. And 20, 21, missed, missed 20 games and scored five goals. Um, 21, 22, nine goals and seven games missed. His fitness should be should be a priority. His fitness should be discussed at length. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on, on Dybala and extending slash, uh, you know, letting him go? Who wants to go first? For, for me, you, you have to... It's really difficult and it's a really emotive subject for a lot of people because Dybala's been the one consistent star that Juve have had since... 2015 when he first arrived because <laughs> everybody else who was good before that, Pirlo, Tevez, uh, Vidal, they all left. Pogba left. Uh, Ronaldo came and left. Higuain came and left. And Dybala is still there and he's he's verging on breaking into the, the top 10 all-time Juve goal scorers list, which is a, an incredible achievement um, and, and deserves to be celebrated, rightly so. When he first came, um, those first couple of seasons, he was phenomenal. He, he was absolutely phenomenal. I never expected him to have the, the immediate impact that he had. Um, he scored on his debut, didn't he? In the the ironically, after what everything we just said, in the Supercopa to to win the Supercopa against Lazio. Um, he had a, a great partnership with Mandzukic in the first season. He had a good partnership with Higuain when when Higuain came, and then. Those injuries that you you mentioned started to pile up, and he kind of lost his way. And I think you can you can say that aside from the six or seven months when um, Maurizio Sarri forced DiBala, and I emphasise the word forced because it was forced, forced him to play as a number nine, as an out and out striker in Sarri's four three three, to the point where Sarri dropped him from the team because he kept going too deep to get the ball and Sarri wasn't having it. And he made him play up front and he scored a lot of goals and he was Serie A MVP when he finally did follow Sarri's instructions. Apart from that six or seven month spell, I think the last three years have been pretty average from Dybala. And I think mm-hmm. what's happened this summer is the the the, the changes in Juve's management. And we can we can comment on those as much as we like from from Morata through Paratici to now um, Maurizio Rivabene and uh, Cherubini. We can make whatever conversation we want about that, but the 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 footballing. Um, management has has been completely replaced by a, a, a management management. Arriva Benne was the, the the team manager of the Ferrari Formula One team for so long. And I, I, I've made this comment on another podcast already this week, so I won't go over it too much again, but um, he he's used to, you get what you pay for. If you buy new tyres for Ferrari's Formula One team and they don't work, you get rid of them and you find somebody else and you get better tyres. If you have brake discs and they, they don't work, you get better ones from a different company. If you have a player who is paid seven and a half million euros a season because he scores 25 goals, that's what you expect. If that player then drops to score 15, 20 goals, but wants to get 10 million a season, how does that make business sense? When on the on the other side of that, Paolo Dybala, you can say, oh, you're going to lose Paolo Dybala for free. On Juve's books, Paolo Dybala this summer is worth nothing. So you're not making a loss. You, you're, mm-hmm. You've got this asset that isn't worth anything. 
leaving for nothing if you let him walk. So the, the conversation then, from a purely business point of view, if you take the emotion of who Paolo Dybala has been for Juve and, and what he's actually producing on the field, you're losing a player who's worth nothing for nothing, or mm. you re-sign him for 33% higher wages than you were paying him or you were paying him at 25. And if we know anything about contracts in a sporting in a sporting sense, look at the NFL, look at the NBA look at football, it's our football, soccer, culture, whatever you want to call it. If you pay a player based on past performance, you, you're screwing yourself. If, if you have a guy who averaged 10 sacks a season, but now he can only play 20 snaps a game in the NFL and you pay him as if he's going to get 20 sacks, that messes you up. If you have your highest paid player at 28 to 30, if you give him a four-year contract, 28, 29, 30, 31, and you're paying him for what he did when he was 25, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to get yourself into such a mess. And, and then if we if we expand on that and we think that Allegri wants to play a 4-3-3, well, Federico Chiesa is the best right winger you ever have. Is, is Paolo Dybalo really the answer as a striker? If he is and you pay him, fine, but you have to make that decision. And if he's not willing to do that, if Allegri's not willing to be hard, as hard on him as Sari was and make him do it, then is it the right thing to pay him? I think all of these things come into to consideration. And then lastly, just to tack on to your point about injuries and production, since Paolo Dybala joined Juve in 20, the summer of 2015, he scored five goals in the knockout stages of the Champions League. Five. He's got zero assists in the knockout stages of the Champions League. And yes, you know, he has to pass to somebody, they have to score, all of that. But he's supposed to be the, the creative, attacking, inspirational captain of this team. He's got five goals and zero assists in 1,039 minutes. Actually, I, I'm actually wondering which teams that came against. It's like Zenit, the, oh, well, that's not a knockout stage. That's, no, well, no, no actually, Barcelona. To, one against Tottenham, Barcelona, two against and, Barcelona. And where are the and other Bayern, two? I can't even remember. Bayern Munich. Which is which Meyer. is great, but Juve lost to Bayern, right? Mm -hmm. So okay, but he's got three assists ever in the Champions League in fifty-two matches. He's got three assists, and that's one this season in the group match with Zenit, and one in each group match with Bayer Leverkusen in 2019-20. They're his assists in the Champions League yeah. against thanks, Zenit thanks and Bayer Leverkusen. You know, and and I when and when Dybala first came, those first couple of seasons from 15 through 16, 17, when you got to Champions League final, I thought he was a phenomenal player, an absolutely unstoppable force in attack. But he's never delivered where it matters in the Champions League, and now he's not really delivering in Champions League in Syria. He's got a goal against Inter this season and a goal against Roma, and the rest. It's like that last week he scored against Udinese and gave it the. The big I am up to the up to the directors. You scored against Udinese. I know. I, I actually I actually wanted to bring that up. What do you what do you think about the whole stare down situation? He's Johnny, feel free to jump jump into. Uh, he's he's the captain. What the fuck are you doing? You're, like, you're embarrassing yeah. yourself. It's Udinese, and one of your one of the two goals you scored in a big game was against Roma. Dishilio scored in that game too. And and I, I think the fact that he kind of like backpedaled on the whole, oh, I was looking for a friend. Uh, that's a PR. That was, just, that's PR. That, that was weak. That was weak. I, but 
it is weak. It's weak. And he's backpedaled that with the PR again this week. But what makes it even funnier and, and really telling, if you if you know anything about Juve, if you followed Juve for a long time, they very, very carefully manage their public image. If you watch the, the Netflix documentary, the, the Amazon Prime documentary, sorry, that he, he's very careful over what is allowed to be said, what is allowed to be shown in public, mm-hmm. who is allowed to do what. He came out and on Sky and said, I was looking for my friend in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Two minutes later, Max Allegri is interviewed by the same guy and he said, oh, Dybala told us he was looking for his friend in the crowd. And Allegri's response was, there's nobody here who is he looking for. So Allegri is willing Allegri is willing to go on TV and call out Dybala's bullshit. That, that mm-hmm. to me, from, a, from, from somebody who's been in those press conferences and in those interviews and been part of the, the way that Juve managed their press image so carefully... When Max Allegri, who, again, is somebody who very carefully measures his words in public and he's very, very careful about what he does and doesn't say, when he feels comfortable enough to call Dybala out on his bullshit so blatantly like that, that says a lot to me about where the two parties are in their their relationship right now. Johnny, what do you think about our our, our buddy, the second strongest player in Juve after after De Chilio? Well, that's... uh, Adam made a good point about Allegri's comments, and that's something I hadn't even dawned on, on me. I didn't even know that Allegri said that. Um, I just thought it was funny with the whole looking for a friend thing. Um, but, I mean, first of all, so there's the contract situation. That's sort of the elephant in the room uh, that Adam touched on a little bit. I have no idea what's going on with that. There's been so many conflicting reports, and some of them by some very good sources like Romeo Agresti recently had some information about it. Like, you know, basically saying that a lot of these rumors about a breakdown uh, aren't true. He's heard nothing about it. I don't, I don't think anybody actually knows what's really happening. So absolutely not. with that, you know, move on to just whether or not Juve should keep him. Um, he's 28. Some players you're, that's you're, when they're you're, you're the right hand man of Aniel. Make that decision because that that's it's an actual possibility. First of all, in the future that you'll be running Juve. Um, yeah. Well, so so what do you do? What kind of what, do you fall into the like uh, extending the player and the, the mistake that Juve does, and then we kind of get can't get rid of him, or are we Bayern yeah. Munich or Real Madrid? You're done. While we can, we'll, we're gonna, we're, you know, we're gonna let you go and replace you. What do you do? I mean, there's a reason that Bayern Munich and Real Madrid are successful. Mm-hmm. They've been a hell of a lot more successful than we've been over the past 10, 15 years. And I'm not a Dybala hater at all. There's like two, there's two classes of Dybala. I don't want to say fans, but people who are Juve fans and interact with Dybala. There's the Haters and there's the Dabala sexuals. There's no in between. <laughs> I love that. Well, I mean, there, there's there's very little in between. I'm one of those few people that are in between. I, I like you, you, I you know you know what it is. Yeah. If you're if you're on Twitter and you change your name and add something at the end of Dibala, you're a Dibala sexual. You know the, you know that yeah. group of oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. people who change yeah, it okay. to to make it sound or, clever or have the the Dibala mask as your. Uh, <laughs> Avatar, yeah. I, I'm if honestly gun to my head, I'm saying no. 
I'm saying let him walk because there's players who turn 28 and that's when they're getting into their peak and they're plateauing for a few years. Players like Lionel Messi, players like Cristiano Ronaldo. Sorry, um, not familiar. <laughs> I, I, but I mean, and look, those are the two most extreme examples, but like even somebody like uh, Lewandowski, um, they're different types of athletes than Dybala. And I'm worried that he, he's a strong player, but he's, look, the past two seasons, the stats that you gave, and I was looking at myself, they're telling. The, he's 2020-21, missed 20 games. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, he's already missed seven halfway through. Mm-hmm. He's on pace to almost meet that again. And the way that he gets injured you know, he could have when we need him the most in in around April. He could be out for three weeks and miss. Well, he's he's a, missed a lot of those. Games. He's missed a lot of those Champions League exits, those, hasn't he? With injuries, those yeah. crucial crucial games. Right. The, the, I, just to follow up on what you said there, John, I think I'd join you in that middle group of I don't hate the guy. I don't think he's the best player in the history of the universe. I, I stand somewhere in the middle, and I think the reason the reason why I think. There's so much confusion about his contract. And this this is a, a good, a good, I don't want to say lesson, but it's a good kind of teaching point about any mm-hmm. rumors to do with Juve. If you see a transfer rumor about Juve and then you go and look and um Di Marzio and Romeo Agresti and Monblano are all saying the same thing, it's pretty much you know it's true and you can take it to the bank. If one of them's saying one thing and the other one is saying the opposite, immediately that means nobody knows. Immediately. And I think yeah. that's where we are with Dybala's contract. I don't know if Juve have offered him a contract and then taken it away or if Dybala's agreed a contract and then asked for a pay rise. And, and to, to continue the, the idea of the, the truth being somewhere in the middle ground, it, it, people hate Dybala, people love Dybala, people think sign him up again to a new contract or let him go. I think my position on it, and I, I kind of get the impression that this is where um, Maurizio Rivabendi is coming down on this as well, is if he's willing to re-sign on the money that he's on now, fine. But if he wants a pay rise, no. And that, to be honest, that's that's exactly how I feel right now. If he's willing to be the 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 the... the Equal best or second best, whatever paid player he is now, along with the, the franchise seven, player. Yeah, on seven, seven and a half million. I'm I'm okay with that. But if he mm-hmm. wants 10 or 12, mm-hmm. that's a disaster for Juve because A, he misses all these games with injury. B, he's not really that important where you have to pay him as the club's best player. And if you do, then as soon as you give him that contract, Mino Raiola is going to be knocking on the door and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. The lick needs to be on the same money. And then Chiesa's agent will be saying, oh, my guy. Locatelli's agent, oh, what about my guy? You, you, all of a sudden, you're paying those four players as if you've got five players. Instead of all of them being on seven, they all want to be on 10. You, you, it's, then what do you do? Because that means then you could have five players on seven, but you could only have four on 10. So you, 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 you're hamstringing yourself already. You have to be really careful. And we've, yeah. we've, we've complained and complained and complained, rightly so, about Aaron Ramsey being on too much money, Rabio being on too much money. In 18 months' time, if you've got Dybala on 10 million and he's missing Champions League knockout games and he's only playing 20 Serie A games, 
We're going to be saying the same about Paolo Dybala. And that's not opposite. That's that's by choice. That's not, oh, we can get Aaron Ramsey from Premier League if, if he comes to Italy and he has the right diet and we have our doctors and our physios. Maybe we can keep him healthy like we did with Sammy Kadira. And then it doesn't happen. That's that's a mistake that you could genuinely make. You can explain that away. If you look at Dybala and the trend from Dybala, you would have to ignore the stats you can read with your own eyes. You would have to ignore all your uh, sports science department because they will be telling you the same thing. Because there, there has to be underlying reasons why he's missing so many games injured. And and as John said, he's 28. That's not going to get any better. Yeah. He's not suddenly yeah, people, going to find the are still, of youth at 29. People are still hoping for Dybala masterclass in the Champions League. It's like, but, guys, but it's, he it's could. about time to he start, could. start He, could. he could. Re- he's more than, But he's more than capable of doing that. But he's not guaranteed to do that. And if you pay somebody 10 million a season, you better be getting a guarantee from them yeah. that they're going to do that. And well, he's let not me interrupt you for a second. You brought up the salaries. I, I pulled up the um, list of some of the salaries. Let's, let's review. Uh, Delict, 8 million a year, uh, 8 million a year. Contract expires in 24. Dybala right now, 7.3, uh, ex- expiring in 2022. Third most earned, third and fourth, are between Rabio and Ramsey, who each earn seven million dollars, uh, seven million euros. Rabio is twenty-six, Ramsey is thirty, well, more like forty. Uh, his bones are fifty. Uh, their contracts expired in two thousand twenty-three. Bonucci is making six point five mil. Um, let's see, Chiellini. But Bonucci, is mil- just to, just to follow that up, Bonucci, Earned just it. like Chiellini, just like Chiellini, and just like Buffon before him, when his next contract is up, he'll probably take last. Look where yep. Chiellini is on this list. Yeah. He's the captain. He was the, the club's best defender for how long now? You're not paying him based on what he did years ago. They're paying him no, as a, right. a 35, 36-year-old defender who misses With big chunks ACL of time injury. injured. And, and, and look Adam, where he's... Keep looking down that list. How far down is Chiellini? Look, I, look I what think Chiellini, Chiellini is three. Uh, De Chilio is three also. Three uh, million euros. Think, half a Dybala. Yeah. Half yeah, a Dybala. I think that's a really good point, Adam, about Bonucci being paid what he's worth now. And same thing with Chiellini. Uh, and I think circling back to your uh, comments about Aviva Bene and the culture shift, I, I think um, Juventus, it looks like they're going back to starting to prioritize Italians. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that to any Italian player growing up, Juventus is the biggest mm-hmm. club. Yeah. So the Chiellinis and the Bonucci's um, will pay, agree to get paid what they're actually worth yeah. versus getting their last big contract before going home to wherever else they're from. It, and it's not I'm, not, I'm not saying it to be disparaging at all to any, you know, many other no, no, it's, it's the, sa- like the same. But just, just the same is uh, true of of other players, isn't it? If you're Spanish, you want to go to Barcelona, right. Real Madrid. If you're English, Real you want Madrid, to go to Manchester yeah. United, whatever. It, it's, that's the same. It's not a, yeah. a, a xenophobic type thing at all. It's a, a right. simple fact that if you have a core of players from the country that your league is in, Bayern Munich have loads of German players for exactly the same reason. You know, right? It's, and I think I think that's what they're doing. You saw that, you know, Chiesa, Locatelli. Uh, the links to Scamacca, Rovella mm-hmm. will be back next year. I think there's a, there's been a concerted effort, especially post uh, Paratici, who seemed to just it, it seemed like his um, 
MO was just go after the best player available. That's yeah, and, he, and, and I, I kind of like the, that. The, that, the, that thing switching. With, the thing with Paratici is he was a scout. You know, he's he's right. he's he was a scout who eventually got promoted to to being the top job. You know, and it's mm-hmm. it, it 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 was almost as if he needed to prove how good a scout he was over and over and over again. And right. it, it led to a, a kind of disjointed squad. And and Tottenham, you, you already said you have a, a friend who's a Tottenham fan. He'll see the same thing. His squad building is maybe not his strong point where you look to Beppe Marotta. He he was excellent at building a strong squad. Maybe not so great at identifying and buying and selling that top-level talent. And, and you need both. Mm-hmm. And when they were together, they were great. But when you took them right. apart, they're, they're not as good. So, first of all, let's... This is my message to the listeners. Take a breather. You just got top class analysis for free on the podcast. So I, I just want to I just want to say how proud I am of our podcast. And thank you guys for lending your opinions. I, I was like just listening like a fan. Sometimes I um, I do appreciate you guys, you know, given all these insight insights. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. That's that's the pr- level of professionalism I bring in. Um, <laughs> would you? <laughs> quick question. So you brought up uh, Marota. Would you guys take him back tomorrow if he was available? W- did did he leave enough mark on Juve fans? All the you know Inter BS aside, that he's there now. Would you bring him back? Did you like the way he built his teams, Johnny? I think he look. He's talking about having to um, believe what you, the evidence before you, what you see with your own eyes. He built a title winner, a perennial title title winner with Juve, went to Inter, and after two seasons, it looks like Inter's going to be winning multiple Scudetti in a row. Uh, would I take him back? Yes. Yeah. Did I? Was I unfair to him while he was here? Absolutely. I'll be the first one to admit. <laughs> oh that. my god! I don't. I don't even want to bring up I, those tweets. Yeah, <laughs> we're all guilty of that. We're all prisoners of the moment at times, and it's definitely it, Juve. Uh, towards the end of Morata's tenure, Juve wanted to be a little bit more, and he wasn't quite up to it. He was very good at yeah. building that initial squad to win the league, but then he he came up short. That, I don't think there's any any flaw in saying that I think yeah was was he better than what we've had the last two seasons sure is he better than what we've got now I don't really know because these guys have had one summer transfer window during a, a COVID pandemic where Cristiano Ronaldo decided in the last few days of the window seemingly that he wanted to go and and that's really difficult to overcome and it's left Juve with some real problems, and 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 then on top of that, there's the the, the problems of of their predecessors and the, the mistakes that they have made. And Morata left behind mistakes like Kadira and Matuidi for Paratici. <laughs> Paratici repaid the favor with Ramsey and uh, Rabiot, and 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 that's that's where Juve are at. So I don't really know how we judge these guys. As for taking Morata back, I think I, I'm a, a strong believer in the fact that he left for a reason. Um, it, 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 you, sh- you really shouldn't go back to people like that. I kind of have the same opinion about Max Allegri at the end of the day as well. Um, it, there was a reason well, why Juve moved on from him and it's it, it's not going as well the second time around. And it's really difficult to go back and, and to make a success of it. I think there's so few examples of that working in the past and it's really difficult as Juve fans because two of the most high-profile ones are Trapattoni coming back to Juve and Lippi coming back to Juve for a second time. 
both did really well. But what I would say to that is notably, both didn't do as well as they did the first time. So we can point to Scudetti won under Lippi the second time and, and a UEFA Cup and a league title won with Trapattoni the second time. They won the European Cup in their first go-round and they didn't do that in their second term. So even those two greats failed to live up to their previous highs and, and Allegri so far is the same. So I would be the same with Morata. It's Juve, not that Juve anymore, you know. We, Juve was seventh when Morata came and, and yeah. Juve were... As much as it pains us to admit it, Juve were a mediocre mid-table team when Beppe Morata came and he turned that into a, a, a perennial league winner and he's done the same with Inter. I, I, Juve are not that team anymore. And I, I think going back there would be a mistake. He's also Thank old. You. <laughs> Ouch. I am. <laughs> no, I say, genuinely, like, if you're going to do something for the long term, you know, it's, he's a grandfather. Just, just like when everybody was saying Moji should come back when he's 82 years old and he's got a nursemaid walking him down the streets of Turin. Like, the, the guy the guy needs help to go to the toilet. How do you think he's going to run a transfer strategy? Well, Juve right now, it's, it's, it's a funny metaphor you bring up, you know. It's like taking the trash out right now. Uh, we have these... These players that are they're kind of stuck in their contracts. We can't get rid of them. But uh, there's definitely hope for the new management. I do like the new moves. Like you guys said, younger, Italian. There's nothing wrong with with wanting. And that's that's really I'm so happy you guys brought that up because I felt like an ass bringing that up because I know Sam from our by the way, shout outs to Giovanni, Matt uh, and, and Sam and Chris to all of those guys. They'll be back. You Turin Giants podcast is not going anywhere. Uh, shout outs to them the, you know. I wanted to bring that up. I didn't want to be an asshole, but it it does make sense that Italians do want to play for Juve, and the younger they are, the more they're they're willing to do that. I, I think Juve fell into the trap of of rich players getting. We 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 never want to be a team of eleven millionaires running around. We want to be a team of of you know you know hungry players, and hopefully that's what we'll see in the future with all these with all these moves. And these moves will not come in one season. You know, in two three years we'll see. We'll see, you know, yeah. the legacy that the, the current management will will leave. Yeah. And the, um, the, the other, just a, a quick a quick other thing on, on Beppe Morata, the one problem and the one criticism we all would have of him is he really, really struggled to sell players. And Juve right now need to sell some fucking players. So yeah. maybe he's not the right guy for right now. All right. So we'll we'll move on to Twitter questions. And as always, thank you guys for participating. Without without our listeners, this this is nothing. So I want to give a shout shout outs to all of the people who left us. Um, questions, Daniel, Daniel buys every release of Turin Giants. So I really do appreciate him. Uh, he's asking, and we'll do a couple of, a couple of, couple of minutes and answer both of you guys. I know you guys have to go. I don't want to make the podcast run for too long. Uh, you know how attention spans nowadays are. Uh, so Daniel, uh, he's asking what should be the realistic goal for this season, given the performance so far? I think that's a fair question. Yeah, I think John John said it before. I think making sure you finish in the top four, make sure you're back in Champions League next year, make sure you've got that Champions League money as much as anything, as as, as sad as it is that that's what it boils down to these days. It's That's where you were at. They're, they're not really close enough to, to to challenge for the title and Inter look pretty, pretty good right now, unfortunately. And if, if they can keep winning and, and keep pace, if there's a huge collapse, then fine. But... It, it really is just holding on to that top four position, isn't it? For me? Uh, 
So you brought up Cristiano Ronaldo. I just want to say, ha, joke's on you. He's fighting for spot number seven where he could have been fighting for a Champions League spot. So because <laughs> he came out the winner in that one. Johnny, what do you think are the realistic goals for this year? I, the goal should be the top four. I, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility for Juve to finish third or maybe even second. Um, it's yeah, not a foregone conclusion, certainly. Um, I think the Scudetto is too far out of reach. I think Inter is just too good of a squad. They're too deep. Uh, but I saw something interesting. It's been going around Twitter by many people uh, over the past week or so. If you take out the first four games of the season, Juve are in second place, one point behind. Oh, man, so the beginning of the season but, was trash. But that's, that's very telling. That was the beginning of the season when Ronaldo just left. Uh, players are coming back from the Euros. Uh, Copa America, there is a lot going. And Juve is one of the clubs that sends some of the most uh, players to these tournaments. So Max is just returning. Um, so there was a lot of reasons why the start was so rocky. Um, and this team that Max inherited in 2021 isn't the team he inherited from Conte in 2014, it's not as good. And it has a lot of that dead weight at the top. So the fact that he's been able to bring it together and now starting to get them play with some consistency, uh, his teams usually peak late around the spring. So I think that they could go on a run. And I don't, I don't think that the squads ahead of them would save for Atlanta. Napoli's pretty deep, but um, neither Milan nor Napoli or uh, is as deep as Inter. So I think moving forward, um, I, I could see them going, you know, finishing the top two, top three, but uh, definitely just make sure you're in that top four. So, yeah. you know, you have that, those resources for next year. You have the allure of the Champions League if you want to uh, lure over some, some other players. Uh, but I think that, that's very important and should be the goal. All right, next question is from everyone knows Khalid Alnus on Twitter. A question for you, John. Why is the Shilio so sexy? Listen, Khaled, we're running a serious business, Ooh. serious podcast here. <laughs> Where <laughs> I do know. I start? <laughs> Anyways, thanks, thanks, Khaled, for for checking in. Uh, and I think well, Niket Niket left us a question about Dybala, but I think we discussed it at length. So um, I hope you got your answer from there. Uh, and Vera, shout out to Vera. She's a She's a listener from back in the day, and she still checks in with us. He's at. Oh, he's asking. I'm sorry. She's asking. What do you think the ideal midfielder Allegri actually wants? We're linked to a very, um, you know, a, a list of different people, different midfielders that play a different game. She's asking, um, what do you think Allegri will benefit from? What kind of player? I, Artur and Locatelli. <laughs> Are you are you on our Arthur Lee, uh, you know, staying bandwagon or are you willing well, to let him go? Apart from anything else, the guy costs Juve 72 million euros. So if you let him go, you've you've got to get that money back because he's still worth a lot of it. And we know that Juve are strapped financially and Artur's looked pretty good the last few weeks. And Allegri's relying on him more and more. I think having him in the team allows Locatelli to play further forward. And He's exactly the kind of player that Allegri kept trying to turn Pjanic into for five years. So, mm -hmm. what? Yes. Why would? I, and this is another story where, just like the Dybala contract, one minute everybody is saying, or some people, some reliable people are saying, "Oh, Allegri doesn't like Arturo. Juve are going to sell him. Juve are trying to sell him out on loan." 
some other reliable people on the other side are saying, Allegri really likes Artur and Juve don't want to sell him. So again, nobody really knows. But what we do know is Artur keeps being in the starting 11. And if Allegri didn't like him, he wouldn't be in the starting 11. So thank yep. you. D- d- draw from that what you will. And I think what Juve need more than anything is, is competent Serie A footballers. I think there's a lot of good talent in this team, whether that's Chiesa, Locatelli, Delict, Chiellini, Bonucci, um, maybe Kulusevski if we can ref- if we can find the old Kulusevski, Morata sometimes, maybe not other times. The problem is when you get beyond those guys, there's a lot of players who are not good enough to be playing in Syria and not Definitely. certainly not good enough to be doing it for Juve, Ramsey, Rabio. We know who they are. We know who they are mm-hmm. Rugani, Alexandro. Those are the guys that need replacing. Right now, for me, midfield is kind of the least of the Juve's problems because you can cobble together. If the rest of the team is working, if you put Artur and Locatelli, whether the third guy is McKenney or it's uh, um, Rabio in, in certain games, that, that works if everything else is okay. But if you end up with um, Bernadeschi on the left wing and Rabio on left midfield and Alexandro on the left back with Benton as the holding midfielder. Yes, they all look terrible. Do you know why? Because they've got three terrible footballers playing near them. If you take <laughs> away two of those terrible footballers and make them good, they look a lot better. Look at the guys. A perfect example of this is look at the guys who cycled in and out of Barcelona's front three when they had um, Messi and Neymar. You know, yes, eventually it was Suarez, but for a time it was Pedro. For a time it was Bojan Kerkic. And, and, and those guys went off and they were going to be amazing for Roma. And then suddenly when they're playing with Stefano Shirori and Edin Dzeko, they look like <laughs> shit. You know, that that's what's happening to Juve a lot of the time. And I think it's it's easy to get caught up in or what midfielder should Juve go and sign. What they need to do is get rid of the players who are not good enough and go and sign some Serie A players who are good enough to be playing for Juve in whatever positions Juve are weakest. We know where they are. Yeah. Johnny, anything on that? I don't I don't think I could add anything else to that. That was perfectly said. Very well. I like a guest who knows when to. <laughs> Not say, not say something just to say it. I appreciate you. Uh, well, I'm looking at the the salary again, and one thing makes Bentancur staying at Juve kind of okay for me is that he earns 2.5 mil. Uh, it's 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 actually really eye opening to see this this list of, of yeah, salaries and when the it's, contracts it's are expiring. The the thing the thing to me is people like Bentancur, and I, I keep saying it, but Bentancur. Um, Rugani, Alexandro, um, Ramsey, they're not good enough to play for Juve. And just like we found out with Kadira in Allegri's first go round, if they're in the squad, eventually injuries, suspensions, rotation, whatever, it comes for you and you end up playing these guys. And you usually end up playing more than one of them at once. And then you look like a terrible football team. And, and never forget, guys- man. Sorry. No, no, go. It was a stupid, stupid joke. Please continue. This, this is the issue that Juve keep coming up against time and time again. They have too many players who are not good enough to be at the club. And because of injury, suspensions, rotation, all of that, you end up fielding them in games where it really matters. You end up playing Daniele Rugani in a Champions League quarterfinal. And it's like, it's all great for the people who are tweeting at me saying, oh, he played really well against Udinese. He played really well in the cup against Sampdoria. Yeah, it's Udinese and Sampdoria. They're the teams you should be fucking playing for. You know, yeah, so he's, he's not good enough. We know he's not. We've got years of evidence that he's not good enough. The same with Bentancur. The same now with Alexandro, sad as it is to admit, given the player that he once was. 
we know these guys are not good enough to be at Juve anymore. And if they're still in the squad, they end up playing. And and look what happens. Yeah. yeah it's so funny. We joke around, you know, uh, Twitter and social media people, people think this is football manager, but it is kind of like football manager. You you need to you need to run your organization just like a like a video game, but with real people. Uh, the, the reason I rudely interrupted you is to say that don't forget that Kedira scored a hat trick once. And I've never uh, who seen was that against? Udinese. Exactly. <laughs> How dare you? We have Udine, Udine friends who listen to this podcast. No, not really, but I just wanted to make that joke. Um, you guys, Nobody thank you so much. Friends from Udine. <laughs> thanks to uh, thanks to all you guys for your questions, and I know people are excited to have uh, Turin Giants podcast back. And from the bottom of my heart, I do appreciate all the sweet words you guys. Just randomly, I, I would get a message on Twitter, on Instagram at Turin Giants. Uh, just. You know, hey, where's the podcast? We're getting with Joel's here. I really miss it. So thank you all uh, for participating. I just wanted to mention the next games. Uh, this Sunday, January 23rd, uh, Milan hosts Juventus at 1.45. Yeah, you should. Cent- central, central time. Watch out, watch out for the state of the pitch at the weekend as well, because Inter are at home on Saturday afternoon. Because mm. uh, the fixtures got turned around at the beginning of the season because a few teams' stadiums weren't ready. So there's there's two games in less than 24 hours at San Siro. So the pitch that Juve play on on Sunday night could be really bad. Put on those metal studs, am I right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's about it. Please check out TurinGiants.com for the latest drops. Uh, really some cool stuff uh, regarding Marquisio. Happy birthday to the legend. He turned 36 yesterday and he was, he was so active on social media, you know, retweeting people and liking and making people's days. Um, he follows uh, follows us on Instagram. Just just FYI, I always like to mention. <laughs> as you should, uh, as you should, you should be. I know, right? I, I I DM him all the time, just like saying, but he never replies. No, <laughs> pretty sure he's muted us. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a birthday I wanted to mention. Uh, Lick Steiner's yeah. birthday was a few days ago. There's always someone I should mention when it's it's there. Oh, back birthday. when we had good players, Lick Steiner, yeah. Mark Ezio, proper Juventini. Really uh, were, weren't they? The, the, yeah. the good old the, days. The, the, the green yeah. t- I mean, I, I always say, you know, with Marquisio's injury and him leaving, Juve was never the same. It was no. that heart. Yeah. He, that heart he was, was never gone. the same after that injury. And then and then Juve was never the same either. So it was really difficult. Just, yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me on. And it, it, it was always a pleasure. Do it again soon. Thanks. And, and, Thanks, and for you right. know, we, 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 we talked about it. We, we do want to make this a regular thing so if you guys want to come back please let me know uh and we'll be back more um more regularly for you guys adam i know you gotta go johnny you're the best thank you boys appreciate you thanks for having us have a good one guys Maybe we should only be friends right up through the summer It was going pretty well, but shorty lately it's a bummer You can't seem to keep my pace And these wrinkles on my face are getting harder to ignore And maybe we should go explore another world Another boy, another girl, another realm of possibilities Discover hidden pearls or whatever I should have written this inside a letter Getting high always seems to make my bad decisions better The cheddar is what I'm chasing, you're lacking the motive